0: So we continue our sermon series, Kingdom Vision, and in the first sermon we looked at focusing on the, the needs of others and how important it is to look past our, our own selves and if we do that we'd be able to see the needs of others, but not only see them, but also act upon it and look to serve them. would help those that were in need. We also highlighted that there would likely be a cost to that, that um, we might have to make certain sacrifices to be able to serve in the best way possible. And last week we were looking at seeing the the strengths and potential in people rather than their flaws, that as human beings we can be quick to, to jump on the negative stuff, things that people maybe don't do so well, but we're called to to, to focus in on their positives, their potential, rather than draw out those flaws. That when we look at people, we see them in the way that God does. That we appreciate and celebrate the way that God has made them. All the strengths and potential that that they have in their lives. And I suggested that we would uh, Kind of call that seeing the gold in people and and calling it out over them, that we would speak it into their life, that we would encourage them. And this week we kind of look at something similar where we are looking at that idea of encouragement. So we're going to continue that theme as a, a community of Jesus' followers. And that we might be a community who are quick to encourage one another. Paul writes in the final verse of our passage this morning, he says therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And the thing is, out there in the world there are a lot of things to be discouraged by. We don't live in a in a perfect world there's a lot of things that can bring discouragement it might be politics they're always fighting with each other and that that's kind of bleeding into our society creating the divisions and that might cause us to be discouraged might be the news the things that we see uh, on the news currently the ukraine situation that um to think that it's happening in Europe after so many years of of peace. That might bring us discouragement. Might be the climate, things that are that we're seeing, you know, people saying things with their mouths but but not necessarily backing it up with action. That might bring us discouragement. There's a whole bunch of things that are out there <laughs> that are causing discouragement. It just seems to be like over these last two years, there just seems to be a lot of anger and dissatisfaction in our world. You know, t- two years on from that first lockdown, where everyone was, was banding together, everybody was, you know, we were all in it together, and you know, people were, were kind of looking out for one another, and we seemed like we were navigating a new path. I was hopeful. I was so happy. You know, I, I, as community, we were, we were modeling this, this thing that God wants for us. My dream was that it would be a wake-up call to the rest of the world, that we would realize that we'd been doing it wrong, trying to be islands and be individuals, recognizing that we do need one another. But it didn't take very long, it didn't take very long at all for us to break back into our old ways and habits of doing things, where we started to, and I'm not exempting myself from this at all, so this is not in judgment. We went back into our own patterns of thinking, and what's best for me? What's the best thing for me? And we kind of allowed division and anger to creep back in again. And that community that had been formed during that first lockdown disappeared. It could be that we've come here this morning and having witnessed all of that discouragement, we might have become cynical, thinking it will never change. It will never change. And without really meaning to, we might revert back to not only being discouraged ourselves, but discouraging other people. Out of our brokenness. But we're reminded in that final verse from this morning, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So clearly, clearly, this church in Thessalonica, we're getting it right in some respects. And Paul is highlighting that to them. Saying, look, this, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are encouraging one another. You're building one another up. Don't forget it. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged and fall into those traps. But the thing is, every single one of us here this morning will have been discouraged at some point in our life. Maybe even today we're feeling that way. Or worse, being made to feel that way by someone else. You know that time where you start to get yourself really excited about something? You're getting filled up with this joy over something and you want to share it with someone. and you. Or it might be something that you think we need to be doing as a, as a, as a church. Something that God has put on your heart and you just want to share it you're so excited and all we're looking for is just a little bit of encouragement to follow through on that just a little bit of encouragement and the thing is the threshold for encouragement and discouragement will be different for for different people right you know some people are able to carry a lot of discouragement in their life before it finally cracks them and others it's, it's incredibly difficult because just a little bit of discouragement can open up old wounds and, and it gets them to that breaking point a lot quicker. But equally, there are those who need a lot of encouragement to kind of do things. And there's other people who need very, very little encouragement before they head off and run with the ball. You know, my wife is a prime example of that you are, and you run with the ball, but despite these these different thresholds that people have for discouragement or encouragement, if we take on Paul's reminder to just keep encouraging one another all of the time, don't stop, keep encouraging, where someone's threshold for discouragement is, is irrelevant. Because we're not doing it. We're encouraging them. Always. God might be wanting to do an absolutely amazing thing through that person or amongst us. It might be that God's wanting to do an amazing thing in the life of someone here in our community at Stone Law. We need to be encouraging that. And we don't want that to be quashed by us putting the kibosh on it through our discouragement. And the thing is, discouragement isn't always, it's not always a harsh word to someone. It's not always just about saying no to someone either. It can be that, but it's not always that. It's not about, or even verbally criticising someone, it's not about that either. It could be something as simple as, when they come and they share something with us, and our response is, eh. You know, I shrug of the shoulders, uh, sort of, eh, okay. That could be the, the thing that discourages them from moving into that next level. Could they have just been waiting for this little push? but the response they get from us is one of a lack of enthusiasm for it, a shrug of our shoulders or ignoring that person. And that might be what it is that stops God from being able to do an amazing thing amongst us because we've just put a stop to it. And the thing is, the one area that we all need encouragement in All of the time and the most important area of life that we need encouragement is in the area of building our faith and understanding our salvation those two things are the most important things that we need encouraged and it's that area that Paul is referring to here in his letter to the church in Thessalonica Paul is speaking about salvation this term that he uses, the day of the Lord. It's a term that's used in both the Hebrew Bible and in our New Testament. It has a number of different meanings. And I spent weeks studying it when I was at uni. It's fascinating. It's wonderful how the prophets use that term and how it's used here by Paul. Paul is clearly referring to a future event the second coming of our Lord Jesus. He says in the opening verses, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then he continues on saying, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. We might remember that when I said that it's not enough to just see life through this kingdom lens, that we would have this kingdom vision, but we need to actually act like it. We need to have it in our lives. We need to live lives as these truths are revealed to us, that we take them on board and we we run with it. If we fail to take on board the seriousness of living our lives, In that way, we run the risk of this destruction that Paul is talking about. And the thing is, there are still many churches and preachers who fall into this category that Paul highlights here in this letter. Those who are saying peace and safety while there's all that stuff going on in our world. Peace and safety. And in our kind of modern context, we might see it as those who, who like to tickle people's ears. You know that phrase, tickle their ears. Tell them something they want to hear. Tell them something that will that, make them feel good about themselves. And they shy away from the hard stuff. That happens. There are many. Churches and preachers that, that, that move towards that message shy away from the hard stuff. They tend to preach a, a good news that is devoid of any real commitment by the follower of Jesus. And unfortunately, sometimes Jesus is relegated uh, and his second coming are relegated to this bottom rung, if they're even a factor at all. And that's heartbreaking. But not for Paul though, not for Paul, and certainly not for me either. You see, those who fail to take on that serious message that he is bringing here, that their salvation is through Jesus, and where Paul uses this example of childbirth and the pains that come with it. If you fail to take on the seriousness of it, then it's going to come to you and the pain is going to come on quickly and I've only ever read about it and I have no real reference to just how painful childbirth is and I never ever will but apparently it can be quite painful and sometimes quite brutal and I can only imagine what it must have been like in Paul's time the level of comfort that would have been afforded to these women. And the thing is, when Paul is talking here and he's saying that, you know, when God is birthing this revelation in people and they get excited, there's a good chance, there's a really good chance that if that isn't handled well by others in that church community, they might feel that pain of discouragement or hostility might get to that point where they've been discouraged so much that they're ready to throw the towel in that they hear this news of salvation through Jesus and they're so excited by it and if it's not handled well by the church community they're in it might lead to that point where they throw the towel in we have a part to play in nurturing and developing each other's faith, that we're encouraging one another in our faith. But Paul is reminding us that we shouldn't be living our lives as those who would be surprised by all of this, that when Jesus' second coming happens, that we would be surprised that it's happened, that we would be surprised by this suddenness, And the reason for that is that we should be living our lives as if it's going to happen like now. We shouldn't be surprised by that. He says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. Paul is reminding that church in Thessalonica, and indeed us, that we need to move past discouraging each other and actually encourage one another, telling us to remember what we know, remember what we know, that we're children of the light, children of the day, that we would take that and that we would run with it, that we would share that with other people, that we would build each other up, that we would see the kingdom alive amongst us. You see we find this perfect example of what Paul usually does when he's trying to illustrate a point, and in fact, it's very similar to what Jesus does too in his teachings. Paul takes two things or two groups and they're in contrast to one another, you know, light or dark, night or day, drunk or sober. And of course, the the two groups of people that that Paul's talking about—they're not literally drunk or, or sober. It's, just, it's that metaphorical eh, drunk or sober. He's talking to these people who have heard the good news of Jesus and have lived in the light of that. They know the truths and the salvation offered to them through Him. They're the sober ones. They're the ones that are in the light. They're they're the ones that are living in the day. And therefore, they shouldn't live lives like those that live at night, who are sleeping, not awake to that they're sleeping. Those who aren't sober to the, the fact that Jesus is our risen Lord and Savior, that we shouldn't be living our lives in the dark of that good news. And I think it's important to highlight that Paul isn't necessarily looking to judge anyone when he's talking about this. He's he's focusing in on encouraging the church in Thessalonica. It's not about judging anybody because he would have been so aware of that message of Jesus as he preaches it in the Sermon on the Mount where he says do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others you will be judged Paul isn't saying any of this stuff and he's not saying that these people over here are better than these people and these people are worse than these people it's not about that he is contrasting what you know and how you should live you are children of the light. You're not in darkness. He's trying to encourage this church community to live their lives in the kingdom, to not forget it, or at worst, shy away from it. And that can be hard work at times. I remember being at a, a conference a few years back, and one of the speakers said that as human beings, we, we have this tendency to to revert back to what it's like when we're a child. And she used this illustration and it really resonated with me because it took me back to my childhood. It transported me back to when I was maybe five or or six years old and playing football. I don't know if you've ever played football when you were five or six or if you've even just seen children playing football at five or six. It's chaos. It's chaos absolute carnage because the thing is when the ball goes over that way everyone descends on it and then the ball goes over this way and everyone descends on it there's no positions there's no tactics it's just everybody following one another towards the ball a big group but as you get older you learn to stick to your position. It's less chaotic sometimes. And you trust your teammates to do the same, that they'll stay in their position. You don't see the running, you know, 20 kids running after a ball. Chaos. You know your position and you stick to it that God has given each one of us a purpose, that there's a plan for every single one of us. Each of us are uniquely made, and our Lord Jesus calls us to that eternal life with him. That we would move away from this need to be drawn into following a crowd, that we would know our position, that we would stand firm in it. And we need to encourage one another to do the same so that everyone might learn what their position is, but they no longer run towards the ball with whatever passing fad is trying to pull them away. And there are many new expressions of, of church that, that look to pull people away. but you stay in your position because that's where God is wanting you to be. So we need to encourage one another to stand firm, not be tossed around by whatever fads come along. We must step up to lead one another in developing and nurturing each other's faith. We'd be strengthening that faith in our Lord Jesus. And the thing is, the key takeaway for for this morning is that discouragement can knock people off But encouragement can help us to find our place and our position in the kingdom. And that's all quite difficult because encouraging others is hard at the best of times. But it can be even more difficult when we may well be carrying discouragement ourselves, that we have maybe come up against a lot of discouragement and yet we're called to go and encourage others when we are depleted of that encouragement. It's incredibly difficult to rise above that when we have these things going on in our lives. But Paul reminds us in verses 9 and 10 that we don't do any of this by ourselves, that we can gain strength and that we can gain protection. But he says, For God did not point us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Jesus is with us, and while the world and those that are in it might not necessarily be as forgiving or as encouraging as our God is, we need to be. And that's the other illustration that Paul uses in verse 8 he says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And that's reminiscent of Paul's one of Paul's other letters to the church in Ephesus at chapter 6, where he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is reminding us that we need to put on faith and love as our breastplate that we don't allow things that come and try to move us away from encouraging others, that we would have that protection. And equally, we don't allow discouragement to knock us off from continuing to encourage one another, continually, continuing to walk as people who are in the light and knowledge of their salvation. So if there's anything that you remember from this morning, I want you to remember again that your words matter. Your actions matter. And when we're around each other here in this community, that we encourage one another in the truth of the gospel. And let's make a start Let's make a start. Because there's always got to be something that you have to do on the back of a sermon. So let's make a start by choosing to encourage just one person before we put our heads on our pillows tonight. One person. It might be someone that we know who is struggling with their faith at the moment. It might be someone who has forgotten who they are and how God sees them that we encourage them it might be someone brand new that is excited about hearing this amazing news of salvation for the first time that we encourage them in that say that's wonderful hallelujah encourage just one other person and let's make a start Because like everything, when we commit to it and we just commit to making a start, it gets easier each and every time. And like last week, this is not something that we just do once and it's a one and done thing. This is something we need to do continually. A small act of encouragement can go a long way. It can change someone's day and as Paul reminds us, it can change someone's life from living in the dark to living in the light. As we remind them to live life in the kingdom right now and with a kingdom vision. So let's be quick to encourage here in Stone Law. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we read these words of our salvation being in and through you, how often we can forget it. And by your Spirit, might you inspire and encourage us to be bold enough to wear that helmet of salvation. May our breastplate deflect any discouragement that we might face, that we might too be able to go out and encourage one another, that others might feel that joy of hearing your call Lord, may we live our lives as you wish us to, that we would live in the light. And may we not only see through that kingdom lens, but actually live it out too. All this we ask in your precious and mighty name. Amen.